Welcome to the FPL USA Press Play Podcast. Game Week 24 is officially in the history books, and this podcast stays cooking. We had FPL Harry on our last full preview podcast, and I was a little stir crazy. This is Buck speaking. I hit my wild card while bedridden and sick in my head, as I always am. We had a bonus podcast for that, but we're back. It's the full suite, and we got Black Wolf and Brian. Both of you guys say hello to the listeners. Hey, good evening. It's been a it's been a good game week for us, I think. It's a good time to have the four of us on all on Green Arrows, and I'm excited to get into our weeks. That's right. That's right. We have four Green Arrows, and that is a rarity when you look at a long FPL season. So without further ado, we are excited to bring to you Brandon Kelly, one half of the award-winning Always Cheating Podcast, one of my favorites that really got me into FPL many years ago. I haven't seen the man in the flesh in a couple of uh, years now, but mm-hmm. last, I believe last year, the last time I waved goodbye Fest to NYC, Brandon. buddy, right? That's right. I saw you at Fest. We actually, uh, we had a lot of whiskeys late into that evening. I know you and I've I were a story one, to tell one of the about last, that if you uh, want to get into it. Still standing. <laughs> this is the perfect yeah, time. Yeah, tell to the get story. Tell the story. The I know pizza, Bucks was in pizza, Bucks was in bed. I brought the pizza and then I bailed. I was like, I can only hang for so long with my two. Oh, this this was like this was kid. like six <laughs> hours after you brought so pizza. If, if you're uh, first of all, uh, Dan Bucks, Brian, thank you so much for having me on uh, the Press Play Pod. FPL USA is obviously massive for all of us Americans and just people on the Western Hemisphere playing fantasy. But yeah, Brian. Last summer at uh, Fest NYC, which we held uh, in honor of the Queen's death, we took the after party to the Black Horse Pub in Brooklyn. Now, anyone who has listened to Always Cheating knows that the Black Horse is our headquarters. It's our holy ground. It's where we go every Saturday and Sunday to watch the matches. We know the owner. So we're sitting there. We're just like totally out of our minds because we've just been going all day drinking etc and the owner of the black horse brian comes out from behind the bar with a sticker in his hand and he says which one of you uh you know insert expletives is responsible for putting this in my bathroom and <laughs> and, and it was and it was brian he was he was putting graffiti up in the men's room for his podcast and i and i was like man you, you don't do that where you eat uh but I, I was impressed by your chutzpah, Brian, and I think that's what everybody likes about you, right? Look, the the hustler attitude spans <laughs> yeah. coast to coast, and I that's figured... that's hashtag USA right there. We're a bunch of hustlers over here. That's right, that's right, and uh, I feel like I worked up the courage, probably had into the teens of drinks at that point. So while I was uh, relieving myself, I thought, where. Could a better place than the sure. Black Horse be to throw up a pod sticker? So had to All do of it. Our greatest <laughs> thoughts are happening at those urinals for sure. I, I mean, I was tinkering in my stupor. That's for sure. <laughs> well, we can't wait to get into this episode and recap game week 24. And then obviously the massive double is upon us. And this really kicks off a key time in the FPL, FPL season where we're going to have chips galore Bucks has already used his wild card too, and there's going to be triple captain discussions and a number of double game weekers to discuss because this is the time where it's make or break time and trying to balance out and find those 
diamonds in the rough to propel you up the rankings is key. So that's what we'll be doing on today's episode. But before we look ahead to game week 25, let's just uh, get to know Brandon a little bit more for anyone who doesn't know him or listen to the great always cheating pod. So we just want to know a little bit more about your origin story and how you got involved in FPL and then how that's tied into being a Fulham supporter over the years. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, my name is Brandon. Nice to meet you all. I am originally from Michigan, like my co-host Josh. Um, I grew up as a soccer fan. My family wasn't, we were kind of like sports, a uh, sports adjacent family. My parents had season tickets to the Michigan state football team and, and sports was kind of around, but nobody. Go big 10. Play. Yeah. I mean, big, what big, like 100 now is that how many teams are in the big 10 now? It's um, the super league of college sports, but I played uh nine zone when I was a little kid, Dan, uh, being from England, would you ever play something called nine zone where just to teach the kids positional awareness, you, you lock them in a box, uh, nine of them on a grid in the field. <laughs> I mean, that sounds very American. This is the part yeah. of the podcast where I kind of tune out. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> So flash forward to me uh, in college, and I discovered on Fox Sports World this show hosted by Lionel Bienvenue, which was a Premier League, hour-long Premier League recap show, much like Match of the Day, where they'd show like extended highlights. And I, at that point, I really got dialed into the quality of football being played in Europe that I just wasn't aware of day-to-day. And that's where I, that's around the time I discovered Brian McBride, who was one of my favorite players for the U.S. national team, was at Fulham. And this is the perfect marriage of the U.S. and England in that Brian McBride sort of exhibited all those characteristics that football men love about footballers. He was hard charging. He produced results. And like the most iconic Brian McBride moment I can think of is the World Cup 2006 against Italy. The U.S. was the only team to take points off of Italy in their run for the World Cup championship. And there was a moment in the first half where Brian McBride goes up uh, in an aerial challenge with De Rossi. And De Rossi throws this outrageous elbow right into McBride's nose and bloodies him. And what does McBride do? He gets right back up stoically uh, like a gladiator. Doesn't even like look in De Rossi's direction as the man gets red carded and ushered off the pitch. And we go on to, uh, I think it was one, one result. And Brian McBride is my hero ever since. And Fulham, uh, Fulham was a team that I decided, how do I better follow them? And uh, the uh, fantasy game became like this foreign language immersion program where in order to follow your team, you have to have some sort of awareness. And so me not me being a carpetbagger, I didn't grow up with all of these teams. And like in the U.S., the franchise system is you just become aware of all the teams in, in the professional division and it never changes unless the Charlotte Hornets get sold to. I don't I don't know where. Um, uh, but the teams are constantly changing in the Premier League because of the pyramid structure. So I got served this banner ad for the fantasy game like before the 2010 season kicked off. And I thought, this is the time. Uh, this, this this could help me become much more con- conversational. And I got Josh, uh, my co-host, and some friends into this league. And it just it got set off from there. And I've been hooked ever since. Because once you get 
locked into all those narratives. Uh, I I love I loved it. I really did. Brian McBride is a is a name I haven't heard in a long time. That brings back <laughs> memories. He was your typical old fashioned number nine, wasn't he? Yeah. I feel like that's yeah. a, a dying breed in the Premier League these days, actually. Oh, all this tippy tappy football. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, all, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's actually a bar that's uh, just outside of Craven Cottage called McBride's, uh, named after him. He was so beloved and served as captain at, during the Great Escape season. So he's he's like he's still talked about. Uh, even I wonder if people would rate him above Clint Dempsey at this point, uh, if you're like a longtime Fulham supporter, it's like very close because Dempsey produced all these results in the famous Juventus goal. But uh, McBride just, as you say, Dan, just embodied this, this essence of British football. Exactly. I, I feel like McBride won over the English fans more so than, than Dempsey. Yeah. Cause yeah, yeah he, yeah. he really embodies that Alan Shearer like player. Just mm -hmm. typical yeah. number nine. That's a throwback to years where I do not remember some of these stories in the, I'm, uh, old, I'm older. The, uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an old guy. <laughs> Got a couple, a couple years on us, but it's great to see your Fulham fandom still in full force as they've been able to stay up and kind of transition from the, the weird kind of Mitrovic year last year. And I think you guys are still looking a little bit more for your identity, but how would you rate their season so far? And you think you're firmly in a, a position where you'll be staying up once again? Yeah, we were talking about this before we hit record about the importance of like like Dan's Wolves is the mid-table club, how important a manager is. And Scott Parker sort of revealed himself as like the utmost charlatan when uh, he took us up to the Premier League. And then Marco Silva, who I was kind of a skeptic about after watching him sort of uh, not be awesome at Watford and then Everton, but he has transformed, as you say, Brian, the identity of Fulham. And while we don't have a star player right now, we still do feel like we have a unified vision of how we want to play. If I mean, well, we're obviously going to make it to the summer and come back to the premier league. If I, and then we really need to invest in a top number nine is Roja going to be that uh, I don't know. What do you think, Bucks? <laughs> You're talking to two Chelsea fans here on the definitely pod. not, he, definitely he not. It. <laughs> Sebastian Hilaire has had an easier uh, route back from injury than Broja, and that's saying a lot. Yeah, and and when a Chelsea player comes across the road to Craven Cottage, I'm thinking of Andre Shirla. It's like, I mean, Willian is probably the only Chelsea player I can think of who's actually made. And listen, he he's been fantastic for us, but. Um, I think Fulham are in a good place. If we lose Marco Silva to uh, like the Saudi league or, or some other European bidder, then I'm going to start to worry because I think this season has shown he's been more important than Mitrovic to Fulham. Totally agree. And I have to shout out and give you credit because Fulham are kind of the US MNT of the Premier League. I feel like every quality season they have features at least one American starlet. And uh, you have... Uh, Jedi Robinson right now, Anthony Robinson, who's playing on Fulham, who features Tim Reed, who's a captain. Yeah, he's the captain of the USMNT. So it's a it's a good time to yeah, uh, the, to be a Fulham fan. It is. It is, Bucks. Uh, the, the true fans call him Full America. And I think Carlos Bocanegra was the first player there. And he was the one who got uh, McBride to come out. And Casey Keller played in goal for a while. And um 
Yeah, it's it's funny. Like the English fans are aware of that Fulham of that American connection. Our owner, uh, Shahid Khan, is also the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars and has a as a U.S. passport. Yeah, thankfully for you, he's uh, he's a better soccer owner than he is a football <laughs> owner by uh, wide margin. Way. <laughs> yeah, the player that Fulham really don't want to lose is Jao Pelinha. I think he's just incredible. Yeah. But- he almost went to Bayern Munich, didn't he? And it fell through the very it last did. minute. Yeah. And now if you look at Bayern, I don't know, is is the temptation going to still exist for Paul? I mean, if if Paulinho was German, then I would say there would be no, nothing stopping that transfer. But come on, come on, guys. The Premier League, there's nothing better. Uh, why go to Germany? That's just a bunch of, that's just. No. Yeah, especially yeah, I mean, a second tier club like Bayern Munich. You know, they're not even going to win trophies yeah. this year. It's an embarrassment. I mean, the Harry Kane K- narrative is like the funniest thing this season, is it not? Ultimate Spurs troll. Doesn't matter yeah. where they go. They're, they're, <laughs> they're not seeing trophies. That's for sure. I, I, I love saying that as a Chelsea fan, right, Brian? I mean, we should just, they're the team that we uh, we default to pile on. It was Wolves, but then they're, you know, kicking our ass left, right, and center. So we need to find a new uh, a new punching bag. I mean, I'm very cynical about their our Chelsea team, and we're potting tonight on Monday after they pulled out a victory, and Cole Palmer came in with some points for many FPL sides. So I think that's a good time to transition and just highlight quickly our Game Week 24 score. So I think let's start with the top of the totem pole, and that is the guest, Brandon. 89 points. Fantastic. This is even uh, better, yeah. even an even better result uh, than you had Last night when you recorded your Always Cheating episode, uh, a bigger a, green uh, arrow, right? A great Taylor Swift album just became a great uh, game week score with uh, 89. That's a bit of a stretch, I guess. But yeah, uh, Cole Palmer with 10 points. It didn't really move. It, it moved me overall, I think, like maybe five to 10,000 spots overall, which, yeah, uh, less I'll take at this point. And now I'm up to like 800 and... 35-ish K overall. So, so far it's like an average season. I guess that's like relatively speaking for me, I find that to be a very, very milk toast overall rank. And what I keep saying to myself is if I get a really good green arrow, fine, great, congratulations. The only thing that matters now is what do I do with it? What do I do next? And, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about game week 25, And this is the moment to really pour it on. So if this big green arrow does anything, I hope it leads me into uh, more success in game week 25. Uh, Let's see. The transfer I made was Jota in for uh, this transfer was so long ago. Oh, Gerard Bowen. Uh, Good riddance, Bowen. Uh, West Ham really taken a beating by Arsenal. Yes, but just by the, the world at this point, like everyone's kind of sick of the sight of West Ham and that's fine by me. Jota comes <laughs> in with the seven points. And I think that's also a, a promissory note to what he's going to do for me in game week 25. The captaincy on Holland combined with huge hauls from Saliba, Saka and Palmer really did do it. I had the weirdest game week with my defense in that I got attacking returns from all three of my defenders but in like the weirdest possible ways. So Trent Alexander-Arnold, he gets an assist, but then he comes off injured at halftime. Okay. that's Such a pain. It is such a pain. pain. Botman gets an assist, and that's the only points he gets, three points. 
you can't really be too sour about it, but come on, what are we doing here? Saliba gets his goal, but then uh, I, I feel like I finally get one over on the Gabrielle owners, and then Gabrielle comes over and he gets his own goal too. So I'm I'm just I'm very sour grapes uh, with my big fat green arrow. That's such such is the way I am. <laughs> Defense for Arsenal is really starting to rack up a lot of points, and I think that is somewhere that. I might be looking to maybe shift Trent out of my team and just go with a double up with Gabrielle and Saliba and just try and mop up some of these points as they look like clearly one of the best defenses. But 89 points and you're still a little bit uh, rough around the edges. I can only imagine what a red arrow looks like around the uh, household for you, Mr. Kelly. Yeah, that's very British of you, Brandon. Let's uh, transition (laughs) to the actual UK uh, passport holder on the podcast, Dan. You're next in line. Second place of the game week. How'd you do? I, I got 88 points this week, and I moved up to 33k in the world. So I'm having a pretty good few weeks. My transfer was Solanke out for Darwin. It, it netted me two points, but also a double game week player for, for 25. And I also have Bowen. I still have Bowen. I have not sold him, but he's been sat on my bench rotting for the past two weeks. And now I don't feel like I can take him out because he's plays in 26. And he plays in 29. Seems like a great use of funds there, Dan. <laughs> I know. But <laughs> what it's given me, though, it's, it's given me no benching headache. So I didn't have Foden on the bench. I didn't have Palmer on the bench. Yeah. So I'm just getting the points from these guys. Whereas if I had someone like Richarlison instead of Bowen, I would have likely played him over Palmer and Foden. So in a way, having Bowen has been good for me. You know? Um, I had Gabriel instead of Saliba. So I was happy when that goal went in. And I have Trippier instead of Botman. So we had very similar weeks there, Brendan. All right, I'm next. I land on 81 points all out. Uh, Green Arrow immediately after the wild card, which feels good, up to 26K overall. I made 11 changes based on the fact that I did not have a playing goalkeeper. And Holland Cap really is the story of the game week. It was a big success. And then I had Saka and Gabrielle, Jota and Darwin, and Adebayo was kind of my rogue pick who also got an assist. I did pick Maguire and I know, uh, Brian, you, you gave me some serious side eye, uh, when I told you I was going for him after our wildcard pod. Uh, unfortunately he was slated and glued to my bench, but he, he looked excellent and I love me some slabhead. He's been uh, excellent to me all season. And just like a nice Jewish boy is kind of gravitated to bacon, like a moth to a bright light. Same with me and my friend Harry Maguire Slabhead. I can't get this enough. Is, this is crazy podcasting here, Bucks. I, I'm glad that I'm here for this. Wow. wow. Somebody got Harry Maguire in a wild card. And wow, that's incredible. I love this. I mean, he's cheap as chips, so I'll I'll give it to you. I'm a big fan how of expensive? Brand, brand I, weight. I, I gotta be so honest, I don't even know two. how expensive. 4.2. You know what did it, Brandon? The news mm-hmm. came out pretty much right before I went to bed that Lissandro Martinez is going to be out for an extended period of time. Eight to ten weeks, it sounds like. So I was just like, Maguire was good to me for a stretch earlier in the season. He's cheap, and I trust Man United infinitesimally more than I do <laughs> Everton. But that was enough to make me go with Maguire over Branthwaite. This is why you're having a better season than me uh, by some stretch. Uh, you don't have these like built-in biases that just like cripple my brain. <laughs> so good good on you. That's some good managing right there. 
the one interesting thing about your wildcard bucks is that, you know, you were really looking forward to getting KDB into your side, but given that you had the shits and were up all night before the deadline in the bathroom, you were able to catch the leak that KDB was not going to play. So then you went with Richie instead and left 5 million in the bank. And I think it's just comical that the way it played out, KDB came off the pine, got an assist, four points, and Richie Blank. So now you are down not only two points and then also a transfer this coming week. So it's just hilarious that for one time this whole season, a leak really, really actually went against you. <laughs> what leak yeah. are we talking about? Yeah, here? that's what I was saying. I wasn't wearing <laughs> my adult diapers. I wasn't wearing my adult diapers, so I didn't really catch any of the leaks. That was the problem. Let's go to you, Brian. Let's wrap up this segment. I think the listeners are ready to hear something else than uh, our commiserations about uh, the highs and the lows of our seasons so far. Yeah, so I ended up on 73 points after a hit, so had 77 minus four. And unfortunately, my abysmal decision-making and bad luck continues. I have had Saka for 22 out of 23 game weeks this season, and I decided to hit him and Solanke out for Jota and Darwin, just thinking that if I could maybe spike a double-digit haul in the Burnley game plus one in the double game week, then it would really be worth moving that hit ahead. And usually Saka is looking at like eight to nine points. Like that's kind of what he's been doing this season in FPL. And of course he gets one of his largest hauls of the season. And that match was at, I believe, 4.30 in the morning here on the West Coast. I woke up at like maybe five, checked the score, and it was still 0-0. Zero, zero. And I was like, yes, Saka hasn't done anything. And then I'm like, nah, I had some drinks the night before. I'm just going to go back to bed and wake up for the, the 7 a.m. matches. And then I wake up at 6.55 and look at my phone. This motherfucker comes away with two goals. Arsenal has six total. I basically, my moves netted a minus 10. So that is, that's like 100,000 places when you're in the, you know, doldrums of 700k so that is how my season is going unfortunately and you know i have six double game week players but now trent is injured so it's just uh it's rough but i still i still manage a small green arrow so i can't be too sad about about it but this season is just not for me so at least i get to hang out with you boys uh once a week in pod but other than that uh i, I was ready to throw my phone out the window yeah we won't twist the knife too much brian with that, we all land on Green Arrows. As we've mentioned, the average score was 55 points in this game week. So overall, pretty strong scores across the FPL community. I did see a number of managers uh, touching or very close to touching triple digits, uh, which is amazing. If you did that, you probably had double Arsenal defense, which is kind of the big, the big bogey score of this game week was from Arsenal. With that, we should also highlight some of the managers who absolutely smashed it in our mini league, the FPL USA Press Play Premiership. The manager of the game week lands on 95 points. Shout out to Clayton Jenks. He smashed it. And we also had two friends of the podcast, Corby and FPL Barrister, a.k.a. Jeremy, both land on 91 points. So congrats to the top three managers there. And shout out to you for big game week scores. Yeah, very impressive. I was... Uh... Looking at Corby's team because he's one of my high school buddies and he had the triple up of Saka, Gabrielle and Saliba all starting. I mean, to get 39 points from three Arsenal players is truly incredible. So that's that's got to be a good feeling if you're a Gunners fan. 
there. So well done. And thanks again for everyone for joining that free mini league. It is tight at the top of the table here. And we look forward to sending a kit to the winner after the end of the season. So lots to play for still in the, uh, in the podcast league. Let's take our first break. When we come back, let's dive into the big scores from game week 24. Game week 24 is in the books, and we just want to highlight a few of the FPL matches that were very relevant in terms of planning ahead for the future. And that has to start with, again, the uptick of Arsenal's performances as of late. They're beginning to be a little bit more free-flowing and knock in a lot of goals. So what do you guys think about the assets here? Because they will be playing Newcastle in 26, and then they also play versus Burnley at home in 25. So I think a lot of managers are flocking to double game week players, but would it be wise to possibly move somebody like Trent who might be knocked and injured and move him out for a gunner instead of going for a VVD? I think it's an interesting juxtaposition because either way you're getting two matches in the next two game weeks. So it just depends on how you, how you look at it. So uh, curious to hear your thoughts on the state of Arsenal. Arsenal are a difficult one because they're, they're such an elite team. They've hit form at just the right time. Players like Odegaard and Saka and Gabriel and Saliba, they're all nailed for almost 90 minutes. And obviously, unless they're 6-0 up um, against a crappy team. But we're all thinking of taking them out for double game week players like Luton players or um, Liverpool players who may not be nailed for two ninety minutes and then who blank. So... It is a, it's a very difficult decision to make. Um, I've been looking at Odegaard for a couple of weeks now. That, that guy is really killing it right now. He's getting so many assists. He's getting so many bonus points. His XG has gone off the charts in the past few games. And yet no one's looking at him purely because other teams have one extra fixture. You know, these guys could get double-digit scores against that in that Burnley game in game week 25. So, yeah, it's tough. I'm also considering, because I only have two double game week players for City right now and two double game week players for Liverpool and no Luton players and no Brentford players. And I'm actually tempted to go Arsenal just as a differential. So yeah, it's, it's a difficult decision to make. What are you thinking, Brandon? Well, I wonder if if you're going for Odegaard, to me that assumes you're not going to have Saka. I'm, I'm kind of more interested in the double defense argument because there are no great defenders to pick from while there are many different great midfield options. Uh, and I, I think what I'm saying is I vote for Saka if you're going to get uh, any Arsenal mids just given his recent form and, and talismanic sort of situation there. I mean, Bucks, do you agree with that take? I agree, and I'm shocked to hear you say it of all people, because I know Martin Odegaard is one of your boys, and uh, he he's is. he's been one of one of your FPL and IRL loves to watch yeah. uh, over the past few seasons. So I think that that proves exactly the point you were trying to make. I think Saka is the priority from them, and I'm on my wild card going into game week 25. I used it already, so I'm trying to be pragmatic with the way that I attack the upcoming fixtures. And the only single game week team that are for sure staying in my side 
for double game week 25 are the Arsenal lads. So I will be rolling out a team of double game weekers alongside Saka and Gabrielle. And I will feel no kind of way about that because I almost look at that Burnley match as being the potential to spike two game weeks worth of hauls in one match. That's just how big the imbalance is between the talent of Arsenal and what they're working with at Burnley. So that's, oh, that's I mean, my answer. That's, uh, that's what I planned for, for Liverpool versus Burnley. And it didn't quite go that way, but I, I do again, back, back that reasoning to move up a possible transfer to bring in another defender from the likes of Arsenal. But I don't know if, if Martinelli would be a better call than Odegaard. It's, it's kind of hard to pick. Um, but I think, uh, you know, the brace potential is on Martinelli's side, whereas Getting the a lot of shaking of heads points. saying no here, Brian, on the Zoom. <laughs> nah, nah. I think I, mean, I agree I mean, with you, Brandon. Ode- it's the Odegaard, double Odegaard wasn't double doing defense. shit for Odegaard wasn't doing shit for like four or five weeks. I know yeah, that yeah. Josh, yeah, Josh well, had so, him. he was consistently complaining about him. <laughs> so it goes in these tracks. So this is a frustrating thing with fantasy with a team like Arsenal that spread the points around. You see this at, at City in, in times as well. I remember picking up Martinelli in mid-November thinking Arsenal are hitting form. Let's get a cheap guy who's a relatively cheap guy for Arsenal attack. And he wasn't doing it. And then Odegaard and Saka were doing it. Now Odegaard's doing it. Flash forward a couple of weeks. Martinelli will be doing it. Declan Rice. If Declan Rice is in the conversation, all is lost because um, that. 17 pointer. 17 pointer. (laughs) <laughs> top performer of the game week yeah I, I it, it's it's almost too many inputs with arsenal right now is the center backs are all scoring goals too many goals how long can i think arsenal can continue to win emphatically but i don't think they can continue to score five or six goals every match i don't think they'll want to they've got the champions league uh that's kicking off for them it's not this week but the following week uh, so they're going to have to reserve some energy, perhaps. I don't know. These are concerns I have. Yeah, Arteta never rotates, though. He's like the Tom Thibodeau of the Premier League. All right, let's start talking about the title contenders at the top. We spoke on Arsenal. Let's transition to the citizens who opened up the game week with the early kickoff. But Erling Holland's powers are stronger than Mahatma Gandhi because he was the popular captain, and he came good with a brace. What did you see in this one? Well, I saw flashbacks to uh, last last year, De Bruyne to Holland for that second goal. And I had no inkling of playing a triple captain in game week 25. But the moment that Holland scored that goal, uh, my my world was rocked. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, so we maybe we could talk a little bit more about chip theory, but I... I have been impressed by Holland has how Holland has come back. The start that he got the previous game week, you know, he's kind of back to his whiffing ways and not like fully dialed in. And I think it only takes a moment. And that's why we all got him immediately back into our squads. And uh, game week 24, we saw the moment. And so I, I not, nothing makes me feel like this is, this is a fluke. I think, that the cyborg is now logged back in uh, and he'll be scoring more. I have to agree with you there. I mean, just the burst that he sprinted on to get to the end of that KDB through ball and the cool, calm finish with the left. It's, 
it's poetic like when he can turn all he, that he kinetic took energy and... soul <laughs> he stole his soul it was incredible to see yeah Hallen can go the entire game and do absolutely nothing and then get one chance and just bury it every time he's he's terrifying not to own i know we hate playing that way but anyone not owning Haaland, it's just scary and you just can't enjoy a man city game if you don't have him yeah, literally two shots, two goals. It was yeah. a very impressive display. It's like Chat GPT four, you know, the takeover with uh, Holland in the Premier League. It's it's inevitable, you know. If he's playing and Man City are controlling the game, it's not like you know one of these just side to side passing. He's gonna get a goal. I mean, the bookies know it. We know it as FPL players. Sometimes even the other defenders know it. That's just how good he is. Should we just call him Grok now? If you want to go the GP chat GPT way, yeah, I, I don't know if anyone's used this <laughs> amazing Twitter functionality. And no, this is not guerrilla marketing for Twitter's new AI function, Grok, but I'm just saying, check it out. The Grokening. You're, you're in the bag. I like it. <laughs> I actually want to double down a little bit and talk about the potential triple captaincy and just moments to use it. I think that's just a natural conversation to have. So obviously, Holland, he's a great triple captaincy shout. Two games, if his over-under is 18 points, you know, I think that's probably where I'd set it at in these two matches because if he gets an assist and a goal, 12 points, and then gets a goal and some bonus in the other, it's 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 just such a very um, safe play to go with. But I think the larger conversation is when else would you use the triple captaincy, especially if you have all your chips left? I know there's talk about maybe Dom Solanke in game week 28. And it's just a bit risky. I mean, what if to say Solanke picks up a knock in one of those matches leading up to it, then who are you going to use that triple captaincy chip on? It's it's kind of kind of lingering a bit. So I think it's just a natural you know way to use it in game week 25. And hopefully you're going to get that 15 extra points in this game weekend hit the road. So curious if you guys have thought about any other times to use the chip. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're someone that has still got your world card and still got your free hits, I think later on in the season when we're going to hit double game week 34, double game week 37, it's kind of the obvious time to, to use those chips in conjunction with the bench boost if you still have that. That's at least my opinion. And then that means we're left with double game week 25, double game week 28. And I do kind of like the, the Dom Solanke shout. However, again, you've got to take the, the simple EO play and go with Haaland, in my opinion. There's no way I want to go into double game at 25, even just captaining Haaland, because everything he does is going to drop you in rank. I feel like it's the, the safe and sensible play, but I do understand why some people are getting their heads turned by Dom Solanke, because two home fixtures against Sheffield United and Luton, I mean, you don't get much better than that. So we, we toyed around about uh, talking more about Fulham in this section of the podcast. So let's take this opportunity to do that. Dominic Solanke like never fails to score against Fulham. Okay. So if we talk about like predictable narratives, guess what happened in game week 24, Dominic Solanke went to Craven cottage and was silenced. He was quieted. And I believe <laughs> that with a player uh, with, with a number nine at a team like Bournemouth, all due respect to the, the Southern Coast. But um, that's, and and I think somebody mentioned earlier, like to manage out of fear is not necessarily like the optimal way to manage 
and the sort of effective ownership of Holland going into 25, I would cast both of those arguments aside and just say, our job as fantasy managers is to try to maximize our odds here. And with uh, Holland having two home fixtures, I don't care who they're against. With with uh, Dominic Solanke, you're having to qualify all of these things in terms of, well, they're against these oppositions. And my point with the Fulham fixture in Bournemouth was even then uh, Dominic Solanke was a risk for captaincy. And some managers got yep. buried taking that risk. So, I mean, Bucks, am I talking out of my butt here? I, I completely agree with you. I actually think that 28 and the triple captaincy conversation with Solanke is a massive trap. I don't think that Solanke could polish Holland's shoes on a typical, you know, game week. So you would never think if Holland is playing and Solanke is playing that you're going to captain Solanke uh, if they're both fully fit. I mean, that's like a crazy man uh, way of thinking. And I'm one of those kind of bucks wild, crazy type of players. And that's so far from my mind. So that shows you how rogue of a call that is. I think really the only other consideration is if like me, you don't have all your chips and you're really thinking, how do I maximize triple captaincy? If you think that this title race is going to drag out through the end of the season, then 37 is really the only other game week I would look at. And you'd have to be hoping that yeah. Mo Salah is fully fit and back to his kind of peak Liverpool goal scoring ways. Because I think the way that I look at the triple captain chip, it's really only Holland, Mo Salah, KDB and Hyungman Sung. Those are really the only four players I would really feel comfortable and excited about playing the chip on. And in game week 25, we're presented with a golden opportunity to captain one of those four players in two home matches. And yes, Brentford and Chelsea, historically, those are two tougher defenses, but they're both going to be huge underdogs traveling to the Etihad. And so I think Holland is likely to play 165, if not 180 minutes in those matches. Yum, yum. Give me that triple captain chip. Give me, I'm hoping, I think he's going to spike a 20-pointer in this game week. So I'm I'm expecting 60-plus points on the triple captain. And I think the expected minutes for Holland has gone up a lot quicker than we might have thought, given the fact that we've seen Pep kind of ease KDB into things, and that was a muscle injury, whereas... We just didn't have Holland for like a month and a half, like 45, 50 days. And he just fully recovered from that injury. And I mean, for him to play 90 plus minutes against Everton is was not something that I was thinking was going to happen. So I, I'm very confident about his expected minutes as well. And therefore, you know, I don't think you need to have the fear of him just riding the bench in one of these fixtures. Like when he is fit, Pep starts him. And I think he is fit. I do want to bring up one point because Butch, you mentioned earlier about the title race. In my opinion, there's no way Man City don't have the title wrapped up by game week 37. Which does oh, bring wow. up the, I, I really think so. Which does bring up the question, is bench boost going to be weakened later on in the season? If we're looking to play it around 34-37, I think if the title is wrapped up, you know, we're going to see players getting rested. And game week 25 is a very good game week for some people to play the bench boost. So I am seeing some people way up huh. triple captain versus bench boost in 25. Cause I'm looking at my bench in 25 and I'm going to have some amazing single game week players sat on my bench. So that's the only thing that would not make me 100% sure of going triple captain in 25. 
it's such a it risk is. to go to all the way to 37 and then if the teams that you actually want to double and have a triple captaincy on don't double then then you're just shit out of luck right like yeah I, i'm that worries me it, it leaves it to a little bit more chance where this is in the middle of a title race he's gonna play he's gonna have the expected minutes you don't have to wait to have those unknowns so no i mean I, i'm i'm all in on Triple captain game at 25. I'm just trying to present the, the devil's advocate. I do see some good reasoning of going bench boost in 25 and saving the triple captain. But everyone's shaking their heads. So. <laughs> well, Dan, one more thing to throw out into the grinder here is that, you know, Man City will have Champions League. So they're going to be playing three games within eight days time, including a trip to Copenhagen. And that sounds more like a party for some players on that team. So hopefully they stay out of Pep Sinbin, uh, as we know they're want to do, looking at you, Jack Grealish and Philly Foden. However, whoa, whoa, whoa. Those, I, those guys are saints compared to uh, Walker. So, uh... <laughs> oh, wow. You went there. I was uh, trying to keep this PG 13 for our listeners. But anywho, I think, I think that's really the drawback. The drawback is the question, you know, that's why I don't think KDB is a triple captaincy option here. And as much as, you know, that's, that's a cool way to meet, maybe be different. I think that's overthinking it because, again, we know Holland's fit. We know he's going to get the minutes. And when Man City poured on, normally Holland is getting a handful of goals. So I think that's kind of the perfect laundry list of what you're looking to tick off when you're picking the triple captain. Just a few life experience notes from the old guy in the room. It's going all the way back <laughs> to last last season. Cast your mind back. You know, Holland was the was the same guy back then. And I played my triple captaincy on Marcus Rashford in a double game week, and it paid off. So, Dan, I don't want to rain too much on your Dominic Solanke differential parade because, you know, it, it works. It certainly works. The second thing I want to say to any manager out there thinking, the only strategy I know is to save all of my chips for the end of the season I, I don't think that's the best way to think about it. And I think you guys are all making really good, interesting points about how you get into really uncertain territory. While the double game weeks at the end of the season feel bigger because more teams are involved, uh, there's something about the certainty at this uh, this particular point in the season that's useful for the chips being played. Amen. I do, totally agree. I do want to ask a quick question before we move on about Dominique Solanke in 28. Are you guys going to captain him at least? Or are you thinking of going with a single game week captain that game week? I already told Bucks I'm going with Neto. <laughs> are you serious? Well, yeah, I'm serious. Yeah. I thought yeah. you were going to be a cynic, not a nihilist on this. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think, I think he'll be captain. I think that's almost enough. I think having Dom as captain and then maybe one other Bournemouth player again, they'll be favored in both those matches. I just don't think Bournemouth are the type of team where you're going to be like. I'm putting all my eggs in them, just blowing out the competition. And, you know, we saw Bournemouth and we saw Fulham have those runs where they were just scoring goals for fun, but it's unpredictable. You can't, you can't go in and be like, for sure, these, this team is scoring over three and a half goals. Whereas Man City, you kind of feel that way every time they rock up to the park. I mean, this is yeah. coming from a guy that's just wildcarded in two Luton players for Man United and Liverpool, though, Bucks. So. Yeah, listen, listen, but I, I had three Savage. of them, so I, I was uh, I was kind of talked off the ledge a little bit, and I have Neto for just this reason, because I also want to have coverage in 28. So I hear what you're Triple saying. Triple cap it's... Harry Maguire. That's what I'm yeah, hearing right exactly, now. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Game week 34, I'll be, I'll be eyeing that up. 
look, I think the other part is just your expectations on your triple captain and, you know, Dom a few weeks ago, he was setting up chance after chance and his shitty strike force and midfield could not even come close to putting the shots on target. Right. Whereas if you captain Holland, you know, that if he's slotting the ball to Foden, there's a really good chance that that goes in the back of the net. And it's just something that you just kind of manage your expectations when watching. And if you want maximum fun, it's probably to go with somebody like Holland just because the floor is high and the ceiling is so high. And with, with Dom, I just, with a lower ceiling. And when you look at those points that he could get, it it just doesn't equate for me. So obviously go, you know, follow your heart. You want to have fun with the game. And I know that going against and fading Holland could be a lot of fun if you're that type of manager. But if you're in a serious position in the season where you're trying to catch up in your mini leagues or just gain an overall rank going against him this week is going to be scary as fuck. And uh, we're, we're a not safe for work pod. So we can use these uh, expletives here. Yeah, the floor is the ceiling, so to speak, with Holland. I mean, I feel like, you know, Dom Solanke's best runouts are just kind of a, a day out at on, on the pitch for Holland. And all points matter. But, you know, it's, just because you get a spike triple captain on Solanke for 14 points doesn't mean that it's worth more than getting the triple captain on Holland for 20 points. I know this is going to drive the FPL community crazy on Twitter. Uh, with that, I think we can leave the Manchester City conversation in the dust, just like they left Everton in the dust in game week 24. Let's talk about another team at the top that is going to have a double game week, and that's Liverpool. And there are some questions around Liverpool because they will be blanking in game week 26. So, Dan, I like that you touched on this earlier. That was a real pro move on your part. But how many players is the sweet spot for a team like Liverpool who You'll have two games in 25, but then they might be on the chopping block because they have a tough run and a blank starting in 26. Yeah, I know that there's a lot of debate on this subject because it really depends on do you want to attack double game week 25 or do you want to be a little bit more careful with the blank game week in 26? I'm leaning more towards going a little easy on double game week 25 to cover game week 26 because I'm seeing a lot of managers out there just going all out on double game week 25, taking minus four, taking minus eight, and then having to take another minus four and another minus eight in game week 26, just to field 11 players. So I think as long as you've covered, let's say four or five of the highest owned assets in the double game week, I think you'll be okay. You're probably gonna get a small red arrow unless you're lucky, but I think that's totally fine because you're gonna make that back up in the blank game weeks um, later on in the season when you use your chips. That's a, at least my opinion. I'm perfectly fine with game weeks like this to take a small red for the long-term game of green. I mean, it really helps that the single game week players that you might have in your side have excellent fixtures. So if you have any of those Arsenal assets, I think if you have any Newcastle assets, they're playing at home versus Bournemouth. Those are all great starts where you could get six points from your defenders. Maybe Trips gets a 12-pointer and that just totally negates a position where hey let's say tony scores against liverpool maybe they clean the other match and van dyke ends up with eight like there are lots of routes in this game week where you could be on a ton of points so i think like you said five double game weekers would be ideal but for me when i look at liverpool i'm just a little concerned about the shuffling of all of their defensive players in and out of the squad right now 
You have Kanate coming back from his double yellow, so he was suspended one match. Trent is obviously a huge problem. I mean, I've held on to him this whole time throughout his injury, and it's it's been a disaster. I mean, he's looked good in short bursts, but the fact that he can't get to 60 minutes and bank a clean sheet is is brutal. So I think that's a huge discussion point. And then, like, even Robbo, like, he created a ton of chances. He's taking some set pieces and some corners, but there's rumors that he's probably only going to play and start in one of those matches, and maybe Simikas comes in for the other. So it's just a lot of uncertainty in that back line. Plus, you know, you know, Allison's got the sniffles. It's just a cluster bleep. So I'm curious, you know, what you guys think about the defense. And then we can shift gears to the attack. I feel like if you're buying um, Liverpool, if you're buying Liverpool, I feel like Virgil van Dijk's the only good option in that defense because he's, he's nailed he's going to play both games and he's also got the totally. attacking threat. I, I don't totally see anyone good. else in that defense he would buy. If you've got Trent, I mean, you're going to have a difficult decision this week whether you're going to sell him or hold on to him. I wouldn't the, buy the only way I'm point. selling him, Dan, Trent, I'm also a Trent owner like Brian. Yeah. The only way I'm selling him is if word comes out that he's uh, he's kaput and uh, to use Klopp's uh, native tongue uh, and he's not going to play. Then uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with him. But <laughs> I, 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 I think he's kind of emblematic of where we are in that there's like a, there's upside with Trent like and you could get lucky and game weeks like this are exciting and that you can get lucky so i then push back on your strategy a little bit dan where i think what's the math of pushing on the double to get points up front and then be willing to take a few hits maybe a minus four or a minus eight going into the blank in 26 to resolve that and maybe you come out ahead and I think this is more important for managers who f- are, are unhappy with their overall rank in that the double game week is your own, is like one of your biggest weapons right now. And it, it, you have to attack it to gain the advantage. If you're feeling like I just need to be defensive through this period because I'm, I, I want to hold my rank and then, and then kick on in some other way and maybe kick on in, in game week 26, then I think maybe you strategize to have an easy entry into a full-strength squad into 26. So then it's relative with Liverpool. I have Jota and Trent. I don't, I'm, I, I'm struggling to find the appetite to get a third one, but if you, if, you only, if you only have one or you have no Liverpool, then I feel like, hey, I need to push you to be a little bit more aggressive here and get a Liverpool player for 25, even though they're not going to play in 26, because honestly, you need at least one. As would not surprise listeners of this podcast, I am completely on the opposite end of the spectrum from Dan. I think double game weeks are the time to live and inject those hits into your veins in future game weeks, but get the points today, baby. And how fun is it? How fun is it to watch a player in your team and you're looking at your mini league mates and you have six, seven, eight players with the extra fixture. And they're, you know, they're a couple points ahead of you. Maybe they're 20 points behind you. And you just look and you start licking your lips as you realize you have four extra fixtures to their team. And that is where I feel like mini leagues are won. That's where legends are made. It's in the double game week. So I will want to have at least three Man City, three Liverpool. Damn the consequences. That's that's just the way that I have 
made fantasy fun for myself. And can we get the Champions League theme song playing in the background as Bucks does his? Yeah, exactly. And that's that's what it's. I think it's all about. And so uh, for me, that's that is partially what made me pull the wild card chip. I had no way to get to KDB, and he's a player I, of course, want to have from Manchester City. And yeah, I had Trent. He was a problem. I swapped him for Verge, and I also didn't have goalies. So uh, that really made my <laughs> decision a little bit easier. That really that tilted said, the scales for your wild card. It was just like, yeah, I've, so I've, made, I've made multiple goalie transfers this season, and I still somehow have no goalies. You had you had Turner and Sanchez, Bob the Monster, haunting you. Ugh. Let's let's not talk about that part. That being said, we should talk about this double game week because I think that really the the perfect alchemy if you're chasing is to get, like I said, three City, three Liverpool, at least one Luton, and ideally you could squeeze in Ivan Tony. And I think that's really where this game week is going to come down to brass tacks because many managers with Trent Alexander-Arnold are looking at a very difficult decision. But if you have Trent and, say, Cameron Archer, I love the idea of going maybe down from Trent to, say, Doty or down to Region, who has the double game week as well, and up from Archer to Tony. You're gaining potentially two extra fixtures and, excuse me, you're gaining even more fixtures than that because Brentford don't blank in 26. So you're blanking, you're gaining at least three extra fixtures and you just kind of swapped out kind of one player that's a question mark for two players that seem to be nailed in that Brentford team. So that's a kind of aggressive double game week planning move that I really like. And I think many managers should be considering. They play in 29 as well, you know, so we, we love Tony around here. I mean, his goal that he scored this past weekend is just so emblematic of the talent that he is. And he is bigger than Brentford. I cannot wait to see him in a top side hopefully wow, next season. Close I mean, your, I know close your eyes and your ears, Brentford supporters. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, wait for Fulham to sell Polina. They're going to bring in Tony yeah. to lead the line there. It's going to be perfect. Do you guys to. remember that clip of uh, Tony getting stopped on the street? And uh, he, I can't remember the context there. They asked him like what he did. And he was like, I'm a professional footballer. And then they asked, who did he play for? And he said, you've never heard of them. Yeah, this you've was, never heard of them. <laughs> I think Brentford were still in the championship, but they were on their way to the Premier League. It's like weird disdain um, that he has for that club. And uh, Well, you know, you know, Brandon, it goes deeper than that because the owner of the club is like a professional gambler and a big-time addict. And uh, Tony has that in common with him, but uh, one of them's allowed <laughs> to do it professionally and make tons of money and the other ones gets uh stuck on the bench they, for uh, listen, a couple they months knew and... the rules going into it bucks let's not be naive yeah. about this yeah. but what do we his, think about his initials are i bet it's in his it's in his dna I, does <laughs> am i the only one who looks at the brentford kits and their hollywood bet sponsorship you, you guys ever uh get the fredericks of hollywood catalog in the mail uh back in the day you guys know what fredericks of hollywood is is this like mail order uh, snacks? No, uh, it's it's ba it's like a dime store Victoria's Secret. So any uh, look it up, listeners. But when I see the when I see the Brentford kits, all I do <laughs> is think about this really trashy lingerie catalog that showed up in my uh, in my mailbox growing up. Anyway, I wanted what I really wanted to ask <laughs> was what you guys thought about these Brentford fixtures, though, and how they relate to Tony because. 
Liverpool City for the double is uh, it doesn't fill me with great joy. It doesn't spark joy. These these teams give up chances though because they're so attacking. I feel like they go gung ho and there are opportunities to hit them on the counter. And Tony is just so clinical in front of goal. Even his his through balls, like he's Harry Kane light to me. And he's playing with a bunch of schlups here on this Brentford team. But like I I just think he's he's a player that I would not be surprised for him to get ten points in this double. And you know he may might blank in one of them and get a goal and bonus in the other and. He's also 97% penalty taker. Like I, I just like the avenues for him. So if you're chasing moving somebody like, you know, Watkins to Tony is something you could potentially weigh up. And I, I haven't liked the way that Bill has looked over the last maybe four or five game weeks, I think, plus their cup competitions. It's just not, it doesn't have the same sparkle as it once had. So I'm, I'm just throwing it out there that you here, know, if, you're chas- if you're chasing, he's a good differential. Here's where my road starts to join up with Dan's because I have been thinking about Darwin, uh, Watkins to Darwin, but this puts me in a position going into game week 26. And so what I'm trying to weigh is what is the relation of Tony to Darwin and the advantage of taking the the worst fixtures and you're getting three. Th- okay, the, the, the easiest way to think of it is Tony gets three fixtures and Darwin gets two over the course of the next two game weeks, right? So uh, it it does augur slightly for Tony by that logic. Yeah, especially if you're making the transfer this week. Like last week when I brought Darwin in, I'm like, okay, I'm getting Burnley at home and then I'm getting the double game week and then he's going to blank. So I was like, all right, I'm trying to spike those points for the Burnley match. But now if I was making a transfer this week and if I could move Solanke straight to Tony, I would take Tony. So that that's how I would look at it. I mean, again, it depends on your situation, how many uh, players you're going to have in the blank game week. But like, if you can't feel 10 in the blank game week, you, you, you probably are better off going for Tony is, is where I would land on that route. And yeah, I mean, the, the Darwin experience is, is such a roller coaster too, is that it's this guy. I mean, yeah, it's so frustrating. Like I brought him in. And and I brought Joda and they both score goals. They get next to no bonus. They still get the the W and Darwin's out here cussing people out for no reason. It's like, be a better striker. Stop yelling at the refs. He's cool, but he's corny. That's the Darwin story right there. <laughs> Here's where I'm gonna be sensible again. I'm gonna be Mr. Sensible again, right? So I'm seeing I'm hearing all these people on Twitter, and you guys are mentioning it too of it's perfectly fine to take big hits to attack this double game week. Where I have an issue with it is you're bringing in players who are playing each other. So I'm hearing, hey, take a hit, bring in Tony. He gets an extra fixture. Take a hit, bring in Virgil van Dijk, etc. They play each other. If Tony blanks, sorry, if Virgil van Dijk... (laughs) I don't like this energy coming from Dan right now. I'm just being sensible here. So if (laughs) if Virgil van Dijk gets a clean sheet, that means Tony's going to blank. If Tony scores, that means Liverpool are not keeping a clean sheet. I'm seeing seeing people bring in... um, Regulon, if he keeps a clean sheet, that means Liverpool are not scoring. So I'm just, where I have a problem with it is where people are taking really big hits and then also having to take a hit next week. That's just where I'm I'm a little bit more sensible, I think. Pragmatic as ever, Dan. I love it. That being said, I think no one is keeping clean sheets this season. So really, you're you're getting Verge in for the potential that he's going to spike one of these bullet headers into the back of the net. And as much as Tony's fixtures are tough on paper, 
I mean, Burnley's, Burnley picked goals against both Liverpool and Man City. So I'd almost say that this might be the best time to play against Liverpool and Manchester City defense right now. They're a little bit out of sorts. And Rotation. You know what, Brentford, Rotation too. And Brentford, to their credit, they're not a big club per se, but they have an identity and they know who the fuck they are. And I really respect teams that are doing that this season because as a Chelsea fan, we've spent a billion dollars on our team and we have no <laughs> fucking clue what we are doing game week in and game week out. It's yeah. are we going three at the back? Is it four at the back? No one fucking knows. But you know who does know? Thomas Frank. He knows what he's going to do. He's an excellent manager. And I think Brentford punch above their weight on a regular basis. And Ivan Tony is at the core of that mentality and that ethos for the bees. So I, I also have Darwin. I have a little bit of regret. I wish if I was doing my wild card again, I would have Tony in because he's worth he's worth the risk factor. And again, I don't think that there are clean sheets for any of these double game week teams in any of their fixtures. Having said that, again, you're just trying to spike a haul. And we saw that from Reggion in the game against Wolves. Sorry, Dan. He got a 12-pointer. And, you know, that is what you're banking on. You're banking on Verge being in the right place at the right time on a corner kick. And all of a sudden, he has an eight-pointer, even though Liverpool conceded twice. That's that's the vision and the dream for this game week. How that usually goes, to be fair, though, is my life with Sven Botman, where uh, he scores <laughs> uh, uh, while getting uh, scores against Liverpool while getting like a billion goals scored against him, where he gets three points against can't even remember uh, who they were playing this weekend. Um, yeah, I, I love the dreaming aspect of this, Bucks, but I err I air more toward the attackers, I think, is the bottom line for me if you're looking at taking points hits. So, so let's totally uh, agree. Totally agree. Let's just quickly ending here on Liverpool. Their assets, Darwin and Jota are in a ton of teams. Now, with Trent injured, would you take a minus four and move him out to get another player in 26 and then bring in Diaz and just go like, all right, I'm going to go with three city attackers, three Liverpool attackers, and just hope for the best because these two teams score a zillion goals a season. You know, what, what are your thoughts on a differential instead of going for a defensive player who's not going to play again in 26 and just be like, all right, I'm going to move Cole Palmer. He plays away to city and I'm going to bring in Diaz instead. Because that's something that I'm actively looking at again as as a differential play, but just curious you get to get your thoughts on these other assets. You'd, you'd, you'd drop Palmer for Diaz. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't play in 26, and he plays away at City. And like Buck said, like we're a little bit cynical here on Chelsea's uh, moves and the way that they play. He's he's their best player this season, but more points to be had. So just curious if anybody's looking at Diaz or any other differentials here for the double. I think Luis Diaz is a great pick, a really good differential. I have no qualms with that. Uh, I don't think I will ever, and this is why I'll never win FPL, is uh, if give me somebody like Cole Palmer. and Never I say never, never Brandon. Him. I'm saying never right now. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I guess I'm, I'm willing to commit to this on, on the Press Play podcast. I'm not selling <laughs> Cole Palmer this season. Um, I love a deal, okay? Uh, so um, it's great. Um, I've never mentality. had him. I've never Hustler had him mentality. this season. Yeah, I've, it's a real shame. I haven't had I'm him. I'm coming for first. you, Bucks. There's not. Listen, you've got Harry Maguire. You've never had Cole. If I don't beat you somehow this season, I'm going to be <laughs> mad now. 
Okay, I'm coming uh, for you. I, you're you're take a take a ticket and take take a spot in line, Brandon. The the commentary <laughs> on that on X and on Twitter, uh, it's like uh, people Grok. have their pitchforks out. They're coming for me. Yep, the grokkening. It's coming for you. I just think the Lewis Diaz issue is there are more good midfielders than there are strikers, and that's why I think Darwin is easier to fit in. And about the Trent conversation, it only is worthwhile in my opinion if you're taking a hit for a different double game week player to bring in so you go cheap in defense you kind of spread those funds into the attack and in that case i rate taking a minus four even potentially a minus eight beyond that i think you're getting a little crazy here and like you said it's not just about 25 we also have to plan for 26 so that's that's where the liverpool is kind of on a knife's edge but i just think their attack is so good that you could even Kind of talk yourself into maybe captaining Jota if you were going to bench boost to try and be like different, and that's that's really I think as as spicy as you can get when you come to uh, kind of fading Man City, prioritizing Liverpool kind of thing. All right, let's quickly just transition to discuss Sheffield United just cooking the Lutonians, who also double in twenty five. So this is the last team we want to touch on before we get into the kind of ranking of the double game with players and answer some community questions. So are you guys put off by this recent performance by the Lutonians and just losing a, a big match for them? I and mean, this is a relegation battle scrap. So uh, Brandon, you know, what, what are your thoughts here on Lutonian assets? And if you think they'll deliver. My thoughts are as you were, as you were gearing that question up, as you were winding the pitch, I was just laughing. I, I can't think about Luton town without, laughing uh, maybe i have the, maybe <laughs> the problem lies with me uh alfie dowdy or nothing i i i, I walk by this dumb you see this in like metropolitan areas of this this proliferation of dumb neon signs with cool sayings walk by this uh, uh taqueria the neon sign says give me tacos or give me death uh, okay like <laughs> tacos are great but like relax however <laughs> I do want to, uh, I, I feel this way about Alfie Doughty. Give me Doughty or give me death. He's a taco to me. Okay, Doughty's your boy. I mean, you say that phrase to people in California, they they might go to fisticuffs, you know. The tacos are strong out here on the West Coast, but East Coast, uh, not, not as good. So I could see where you have some quality. Yeah, we we have oysters, you have tacos. That's the way it goes, you know. Exactly, exactly. The other assets to, you have, just Bucks, to I know you're happy with uh, the boy at a bio. So I, I wouldn't be transferring him in, but I definitely start him if I had him for the double, right? Yeah. He's cheap as chips. Uh, he was uh, my upgrade on Cameron Archer. Obviously then Cameron Archer goes and puts on his best ever performance on the pitch. Uh, he was spectacular. And of course he was never going to be a starter in my team. So it's uh, you know, I'm not going to cry over spilt milk. But Alfie Dotti is one I just want to double click on because he created eight chances. So I think in many other game weeks, nine. he was looking at a haul. Nine, the most in the game week. So he's not a defender. He's he's a, an attacking midfielder. He's Trent Light for Luton, which is the best compliment I'll say to Luton all season, that they have a player <laughs> that is uh, shades of a Liverpool star. So credit to them. I think they're not worth investing in more so than maybe one or two players. That's my take. Yeah. I mean, if you're in a position where you want to move Trent and he's out to Alfie, I could see that working because he's going to have this double and then another double. And so you're banking some more fixtures and then using those funds elsewhere. So 
Elfie or death? Wow. Brandon Kelly said it here on the pod. It's taken off. It's going to, it's going to catch on, you know, in the stands. You love to hear it. You love to hear it. All right. That's a good overview of what's been happening with these key double game weeking teams. Now we're going to take a quick break and come back with an update on what to know ahead of the double and the upcoming blanks. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Strap in. It's time to prepare for double game week 25. We want to make sure you know all the most important moving pieces going into this double game week, starting with who gets to play twice. So, Dan, you're great at reading. Tell the listeners the four teams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm great at reading. Thank you, Bucks. Quite the compliment. Yeah. yeah, so in double game week, we have Brentford, Liverpool, Luton, and Man City who are doubling. And, you know, I've been Mr. Cynical on this podcast, so I'm going to continue that. I think he can effectively just say Brentford, Liverpool, and Man City are doubling because I have no interest in these Luton assets. Apart from Alfie or Death, I like that a lot. Yeah, no one wants to die on this podcast, so get yourself an Alfie <laughs> Doughty or there you, go. you know what happens. I mean, it, it, it does. Destination out there. It, it is worth pointing out that I think we are now rating Manchester United a little bit more highly than say five game weeks ago where they were in a bad spell. And therefore that first fixture for Luton is looking much worse than maybe five game weeks ago. Uh, because I think the, the United team is coming together a bit and you're seeing Hoyland and the youngsters with Garnacho and the rest of the squad getting a decent vein of form and just finding ways to win. And I, I don't expect Luton to upset United in this one. And therefore I can, I can rock it with you, Dan on the, uh, Basically, it's only a double for three teams. With that being said, we do preach caution and patience because there are European competitions returning this week and next. So teams like Manchester City and Liverpool will be playing in the Champions League and the Europa League. So any player that is a star in that team, such as Jota or Darwin or Luis Diaz, might be playing in lands far away. So you want to make sure that they are fully fit before you bring them in before such an important double game week. And also worth noting that both Liverpool and Luton, it's a quirk in the schedule. They will play twice in 25, but then both blank and not have a fixture in 26. So Dan, I know you were really hammering this home earlier in the episode, and that's a great place to make sure that you are planning not only the transfer for 25, but it should go hand in hand with the plan move for 26. So we really recommend FPL.team. It's a great free service for the FPL community. You should be plugging your team in there and just make sure you look at 25 and 26 at minimum and the impacts of any moves you're making on your team. Dan, what do you say yeah. to you? And I know it's five or six game weeks away now, but you also have to consider blank game week 29. I know we have a free hit to, to cover that if we want to. But I think around game week 26, 27 is where we find out exactly which teams are going to be blanking or not in that um, fixture, in that game week, sorry. So just keep that in mind as well. The only team we know for sure that are playing in both blank game week 26 and blank game week 29 are Brentford so and doubling in 25. So, you know, they're the team to bring in if you want to cover all of those game weeks. 
Yeah, and frustrating because we won't know until after the Game Week 26 deadline, the confirmed FA round of sixth round, the FA Cup sixth round draw. So that's that's frustrating and kind of minimizes the ability to plan for 29. But all things that we should be keeping in mind as we get into this fun and wild portion of the FPL season. With that, I think let's dive into some of our listenership and they contributed some awesome questions specifically for you, Brandon, they, they brought it in your honor. So let's transition to community you. questions. All right. And I think the first one we should start with is at FPL underscore Hoosier shout out to the big 10. He's asking if TA is confirmed out, is it worth a minus four to get in more usable assets for the upcoming game weeks? So this is one, again, we want to be patient. Hear an update from Klopp towards the end of the deadline in the press conferences. But if he is ruled out I, at 8.58, whatever he is, it's a lot of money that you could spread elsewhere. And if taking a hit can transform your team. So, Brandon, what say you if TA is out? If he's out, yeah, minus four all the way. And that money will be necessary sooner rather than later for whenever Sala is confirmed back because selling trend is the only way I can get Sala back into my team. I wouldn't move him for anyone who blanked. I think that's that's your kind of get out of jail for a minus four cost to you card uh, if he's confirmed out. Bring in anybody. Anybody. I don't care. <laughs> I guess uh, actually even a I full can't player. Believe, I can't believe I'm going to say Reggion, but uh, um, I'm. Uh, I can't do that, but uh, somebody of that ilk. Man, that guy is so lightweight. It, it's he's, he's got a he's got, exactly. He's, he's just the, lightweight. He's like so mid. Look up mid in the dictionary. There's a picture of Reggion. <laughs> Come on, get out of here. He has more points than Trippier in the last two game weeks, and uh, you know Trippier is the golden boy of uh, uh, the. We, we don't care back. for scoreboard journalism over here, but uh, <laughs> I'm a hindsight <laughs> merchant. If anything, let's go to the next question friend of the pod, my Cayman fan. He asks if we should give Brentford's mids and defenders a second thought. He's been reading our mind here. He's incepting us. Uh, so if Region is not on the menu, is there any midfielder or defender other than him? Let's even throw in, would you consider Flecken as a, as a shout for game week 25 and beyond knowing that he kind of has the extra fixture in hand? Flecken, yes, but I challenge my esteemed panel to name a single Brentford midfielder. Matthias Jensen. Jensen. <laughs> yeah. I always, I'm like, is he, is Jensen or Norgard are these guys defenders or midfielders? I cannot keep it straight. <laughs> they're, they're Nordic. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That we know, we know where they're from. I would, I would not be bringing in any Brentford midfielders for sure. Defenders. I personally wouldn't. I have actually a Brentford defender. I've had him for like six game weeks, Ethan Pinnock. And he's been, every time I've played him, he's got one or two points. He got six points against Wolves this week, third on my bench. I am not playing him in the double game week. I don't care if he's got two fixtures. He's going <laughs> to stay on yeah, my bench. He gets a return against your team and out of spite, you're just saying, fuck off. I'm not, I'm not bringing you in. <laughs> you can, he, he has, he must have some blackmail on you, black. Hey, man, he, play, I, I he plays in 26, plays in 26, plays in 29. So a great yeah, bench I have, guy. I have, have him for those fixtures, but there's no way I'm playing in a, I wouldn't bring in a Brentford defender for the double game week alone because they have the two best attackers in the, two best attacking teams in the entire league. 
Why would you play a Brentford defender? I just don't understand that logic. I really don't. How about Mape? I'm not hearing him talked about enough. He's a great enabler at 4.9 million. Kind of. Yeah, but he's a shit stirrer, dude. Don't bring he him is, but you know, he's he gets he gets <laughs> returns. For, he's a he's a, a a chaos agent, so to speak. But <laughs> he is getting returns. You have to Back consider so- though, that Wisa is going to be coming back from the Afcon, and I think that might um, play into his minutes a little bit after talking to some Brentford fans. So I'd be a little you know, cautious bringing him up here. The Malpai shout is, uh, I know, Bucks, we talked offline about having a podcast in the summer, which is going to be going through our shithousery starting 11. And Malpai is definitely in contention there. This might have to be a good episode to bring Brandon back for and discuss the the most shithouse players wasting time and talking trash on the pitch uh, episode. My so wheelhouse, yeah. That's an sure. open invite for you uh, later in the, in the offseason. Could be a fun one. <laughs> nice. It's really a bummer that... Uh, Mr. Mbomo, Evil Brian, is not back in for this because he would be a really fun differential to go for, in, in especially when you compare those cheap mids at Liverpool and going that route. But unfortunately, those days were previous games. What's the ago, latest? So. Does anyone have the latest injury report on Mr. Mbomo? I've got to put no, you all on the spot a- here. Out right, for I'm months. Gonna... We'll we'll have to check Ben uh, Ben Dinnery. I'm on Dinnery's I'm on Dinnery's site right now. Mm-hmm. He's supposed update. to be out through March. That was the initial timeline, and I haven't heard diddly peep about that, which is not great. Yeah, last quote was from December. He will not participate in Afcon. Brian, whose first name basis here, is a positive guy. It's tough to take, but he will come back stronger. So there we go. We've got that to look forward to. Yeah, that's right. And he's a Young 24, and he's already losing a lot of his hair. So hopefully he'll be able to come back stronger on the pitch. Uh, (laughs) He needs some rosemary oil. Let's go to the next question. Next question is from friend of the pod at the run CMC, a.k.a. Corey. He wants to know when should we start considering Sonny Boy? And I think that's an interesting question. He also came on to the pitch from the bench after the Asian cup and he connected with Brennan Johnson for the game winning goal for Spurs and just macro level, Brandon had mentioned, you know, nobody's talking about when we're going to bring Salah in, but Salah and son are both going to be on the menu very soon here. So just curious, do you guys have any appetite for son or would you just go Richie because game week 27 and onwards Spurs have some good fixtures. So curious to see what your thoughts are there. Well, we've, I think talked ourselves into Saka for this run of international tournaments it's paid off uh, honestly but i don't think anyone is has has a craving to keep Saka for the rest of the season uh so i think he's gone and and jota for that matter are those those are those sort of mercurial midfield spots where what i want is more consistency now it's it's kind of funny that I think of Jota as mercurial because his numbers show he's like the most consistent finisher or the most consistent poster of points per minutes. Uh, so I don't know why I feel this way, but um, there is, I guess, a security blanket for, for veteran fantasy managers, just knowing what you're going to get from Salah and Son. I think the blank really complicates matters to your point, Brandon, and he's not on the menu just yet, but come 27, I think we're going to be looking to offload players in our midfield to reset 
and potentially target players from Spurs and Chelsea who are supposed to have some of the best run-ins with a potential double game week coming in maybe as early as game week 30, if not 31. So that could be a small double game week that Ben Crowen is predicting for both of those London teams. And at that point, right, you'll, you're going to move heaven and earth to get Sun, Richarlison, and Cole Palmer, the three of them for sure. I know I will. So that's something to consider and weigh up. And I just think the issue with Sun right now is that he has two less fixtures than some of his competitors. And because of that, I almost think that he, he's a total stay away until game week 27. Yeah, I think game week 27 is a time to, to look to bring them in. I think if you're someone who has double Man City midfield and someone like Jota, I would look to take out two of those guys to bring in a Spurs midfielder. I don't, Jota for sure, his minutes are going to go down when everyone's fit. And I think as good as Man City are, going with a double midfield of someone like Foden and Kevin De Bruyne yeah. is probably not the best. Foden's you know, got to go. You're right, Dan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. more talismans. We want we want all the talisman style players. And I think Sun offers that, whereas Foden is elite in his own way, but he's surrounded by more talisman ranking players at City than Sun is at Spurs kind of thing. Yeah, with that being said, having KDB in my side, and he'll probably be in your team, Bucks, he is a good price point where you can go down from KDB to Sun in one move or likely a, a very easy double move to get in Salah. So I, I like now that even though the points haven't come in huge bunches for KDB uh, prior to this double game week, that that'll be a slot that I could easily go up to Salah if he does look fit and he comes back from this hammy or if the hammy lingers, I'll be like, all right, perfect. I'm going to move, you know, straight to Sun. Maybe double up on Sun and Richie potentially as single game week 29. They have, you know, a fixture, so it'll be an interesting point to see where those Spurs assets come in. And having Maddo fully fit, having Richarlison fully firing, and then bring Sun into the fray, it's a very confident team. So I just love that we're going to get goals from them, and that's what I want in FPL. Yeah, we're going to all probably have two of their midfielders. It's just a shame that one of them isn't classified as a forward because I would love to have all three of their attack and kind of bend their defense and never think about it again because Ange Postacoglu, their coach, doesn't think about it. So why should I as an FPL manager, right? So that's the shame is that it's you can't get Don't all burden three of yourself their with that, Bucks. You've got other things on your plate. Yeah, I, I got enough <laughs> stress from uh, my Chelsea Blues and my two kids. I don't need uh, another another club to worry about. That's for sure. All right, we have a last question, which is from the three of us, and a question that we asked Josh when he made an appearance on the Press Play pod as well. So as a big movie guy, Brandon, who would play you in a movie about the rise of your character in FPL lore? Very curious to see what actor you choose here. Well, there's only one answer, and it should be in the front of all of your minds, and it's Gail Garcia Bernal, uh, who, you know, wow. from such hit films as Iu Mama Tambien and the hit movie Old, where he goes to a beach that makes you old. Uh, I've been... <laughs> I, I, I just think he's got the energy, he's got the charisma, he's got the pace, let's be honest, uh, to play me. So Gail Garcia Bernal. Look him up if you've never heard of him. I was not expecting the answer to be honest. But you know, why not? <laughs> you're right. Why not? I know him from Coco. I mean, books. You've got two yeah, kids. You probably Coco. know him from Coco. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, Josh said you were going to be like one of the uh, Liam Neeson villains. Uh, so this is a much this is a much come from grace kind of moment for you as you go from uh, a kind of B-list actor on the uh, second screen of the of the movie credits to going all the way up to the top billing. I respect that, Brandon. The hero's journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I'm destined for the top bucks. You just you just watch. I think Josh just has a lot of respect for your evil villain beard. If you were to really grow it out and it became a, just a little bit more gray. And uh, I, think I feel that's like my beard is less the having. villain. Don't the villains always have like pointy little Van Dykes? I have the, I'm the, I have the beard of the guy who's in the truck working the comms who gets wasted like halfway through the movie. So that's kind of how I feel. <laughs> Perfect place to end. Let's, go to our last segment here before we close out the pod transfer plans and captaincy shouts anyone itching to share their plans for double game week 25 let's let's go to you brian start us out yeah that was a bit weak i think uh i'm not impressed with your pronunciation there we got to hand it to dan because he really nailed it last week with at fpl harry <laughs> and uh he brought more energy than that lackluster effort from bring us back in here dan everything just sounds better with the english accent we know this so our final segment is transfer plans and captaincy shouts that's how Boom. you do it books that's how it's done putting you in your place Go ahead. Brian. I haven't eaten. I haven't eaten dinner, and it's uh, trending on being midnight equivalent. If you have <laughs> kids here, so uh, let's let's wrap this damn thing up. Go go to you, Brian. What are your plans? I got Trent. He's the only player in my side that is a question mark. So I'm in a weird position where I will either hold Trent and just hope for the best if they have some positive news in the press conferences. Otherwise, I'll rip him out and take a minus four. And I think I will probably move him to somebody like Saliba and double up on the Arsenal defense. And then I'm going to move Cole Palmer up to Luis Diaz. And I will have six double game week attackers from city and Liverpool and just YOLO it. Cause my season sucks. So may as well just go for maximum chaos. And maybe one of those guys spike a brace in the double game week. So that'll be me. I'm basically taking hits every game week here on out just to see if I can crawl back into the, the top 250k which is kind of my target now with having such a rough season so uh, just don't want it to be my worst season <laughs> and triple captain you got to use the chip oh yeah good shout yeah triple captaincy is is activated it is on Holland I'm happy to play it get rid of it and then save my other chips for other game weeks to come but based on our conversation I'm even more excited just to play it on Holland. I'm treating the triple captaincy like a text that I owe my mom. Uh, my wife keeps asking me, like, oh, have you text your mom yet? Uh, well, no, I, I know I have to, but I, I haven't. Uh, so I'm like 85 to 90% sure I'm going to text my mom before the game week deadline and do the triple cap on Holland. And I, I, there was a, there was a point in time right as the price changes were happening Saturday night where I thought Solanke to Darwin, I have even money because my front three right now is Solanke, Watkins, and Holland. Uh, with price changes that have already happened, I can't, I, I don't, I can't afford to do Solanke to Darwin or to Tony. So that leaves me with an easy move of Watkins to Tony or to Darwin. What I'm, 
thinking is probably the more optimal move if we get any news about Trent is Trent gets downgraded to somebody and then I again move Solanke because the thing about Watkins is his fixtures are good they remain good and he just remains this guy who could blow up at any moment and Solanke's fixtures aren't great he does double in the near future so I have to just kind of like swallow it there I can't believe I just said that that was what a weird thing to say (laughs) swallow something I think you were focused um, on your on your beer that you've been drinking. That, that's where that came yeah. from. Yeah, yeah. I just need a, a swig of my tasty beer. Um, I think I just have to commit to bringing Solanke back when that double comes. It's sort of like, you know, that feeling of like, well, I I can be smart because I already have the guy. But um, it's it's mostly me thinking about Josh, to be honest with you, because he doesn't have Solanke right now. <laughs> but I think that's the better play is to take a hit, turn Solanke to Tony uh, and get a defender in who can, who can pinch hit for Trent. I rate that. I, I rate that. that. Yeah, totally. And who would be your eighth attacker then, Brandon? That's the real question that is a bugaboo in many a manager's side because we're spoiled for choice right now. And that's could be frustrating to have benching headaches. So who, who would miss out if you transfer Solanke, let's say to one of those double game week guys. I've got a whole core of players who I who I love and having in my FPL team, and we didn't mention Ross Barkley as a Luton transfer option, and I put him in the same group as Thomas Suchek. He's my eighth attacker. You got to have these guys that you like, but you kind of don't respect, and that prevents you from doing <laughs> stupid things like benching Cole Palmer. Uh, so you you always have a you always have to have like a like a guy you don't respect as your fifth attacker or your fifth mid. You're you're playing it right as opposed to uh the other guy that's in the doldrums, uh Brian, who's uh who has Cole Palmer and has benched him, I think, twice now for two hauls. Is that correct, Brian? Uh just once, but it was the 18 pointer. Ah, sorry, sorry. I knew <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Yep. And Should Brandon happens. Holland captain. Uh what's what do you say the percentages? You're 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 trending towards triple captain or or you're just you're going to do it. You just haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, I think so. I I, I put it at like 85. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do it. Yeah. Give me some space though, Bucks, please. Uh, no pressure here. How about you, Black Wolf? What's your plan? Uh, I have no fucking idea, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> this no motherfucking idea. fence sitter. I'm, Black Wolf, I'm not we a run a podcast. You got to tell the people what the plans are. That's that's kind of the, the evil deal of being a hey. content creator. Come on. Somebody can have no idea, but also have plans in their mind. They're not mutually exclusive. So I, I think um, Pedro Porro out for a city defender is the one I'm leaning most towards. However, which city defender to bring in is causing me so much headaches. So no, there's, o- there's only one choice here, and that's Ake. Ake, Ake is the one. Is, is oh, I was going to say I was gonna say Ake or Gvardiol. It's got to be one of those two lads. No. Or Diaz. This- or Walker. <laughs> oh, gross. Nah, no, 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 no Walker. There, no, he's canceled. No. Ake is the only one who gets on the end of set pieces. He connects well with his countrymen in De Bruyne on some of those set pieces, corners. I think it's a no-brainer for me. Even even if Gosh. he plays, even if he plays 
um, you know, one. They do not. Oh, they're not country. For some reason, I was seeing like shades of uh, you know, shades yeah, of red. I, I know orange. you opined <laughs> for the days back when the Allied forces did stuff <laughs> together, but uh, this is not that time. Yeah, uh, uh, close enough. Close because... enough for us Americans. Yeah, I mean, Man, Man City also playing game week twenty six against um, Bournemouth, is it? I believe. Yes, sir. Yeah, so RK, that's his um, previous team. So I, I expect him to play against them. I don't know why I think that. It's probably no, there's probably no logic to that, but I just feel like he will play against Bournemouth. So that's you an think option he'll for me. He'll do a muted sure. celebration if he scores <laughs> yeah. in that game. I think there so. Is. That stupid yeah. mute. Definitely. Yeah. Anyway, so if I was to move Pedro Porro to a City defender, whoever that may be, I would have five doublers this game week, and I would have. 12 players playing in game week 26 so i could actually roll my transfer in game week 26 and then go all the way to 28 with two free transfers and be able to get three or four double game week players in 28 with no hits that's if i take this careful routing double game week 25 so now you see why i'm kind of being a bit more cautious this week because the more hits i take this week the more blankers i will have in 26 the more transfers i'll need to bring in players for 28 and it just all adds up so I'm thinking, is it okay to go without a third Liverpool asset? Probably. I'll have a little bit of a red arrow, I assume. But I'm hoping I make that up in the in the coming game weeks. So that's what I'm leaning towards right now. Captaincy, Black Wolf? Um, triple Captain Haaland, 99.9%. Conviction. Wow, the fence sitter finally learns how to spew his <laughs> takes on his own podcast. It's a beautiful thing. I'll go last. I have one free transfer, $5 million and change in the bank. Very straightforward. I'm going to rip out Richarlison, bring in KDB. I will have eight double game week players. I will be triple captain Erling Holland, And I'm hoping that this game week propels me back into my comfortable lead over you, Dan, because I'm starting to hear your footsteps. And uh, I don't like it because uh, it was bad enough when I was hearing Sir Top's footsteps a couple of game weeks ago. And now I'm looking up at him like he's Wembanyama. Uh, and I'm just down here in fifth or sixth place in the FPL USA elite tier. And uh, I don't like it. It's more fun to be in first or second place by far. So with that, I'm going to try and spike a haul here. And I will plan for blank game week 26 when we are in the window to plan for blank game week 26. Damn the consequences. So that's the plan here. All right, that's a pod. Let's hand it over to Brandon quickly to plug where you can find him every single week as part of the hashtag FPL USA <laughs> community and as part of the great content creators we have here in the US. I love this. this is like my hot wings moment. Uh, hot wings, hot ones moment. Uh, yeah, I love that cheating. show. I love that show so much, by the way. Just want to throw uh, that in there. Oh, uh, yeah. No, yeah, absolutely agree. Like I watch every episode. The recent <laughs> one with uh, John Oliver was particularly good for sure. Uh, and I saw the bomb Beyond Insanity is sold at one of the grocery stores around here. So it has a very prominent warning label on it. Uh, we actually yeah, always... bought we actually bought the subscription um, oh, at yeah? Christmas where we had Could... all ten of the Hot Wings box and we Could tried to do the all of it in one yeah. go. It's insane. It's very very hot. <laughs> What did you think about the bomb? Was it like as it intense it, as they meant? It tastes like shit, and it makes you feel sick for hours and hours and hours. So it, it tastes like shit, and it makes you shit. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, perfect antidote antidote to that would be the weekly always cheating podcast. Uh, 
Josh and I take the Monday slot in the fantasy content machine, uh, set the table for the week's discussion, uh, and we love to have you. We just love celebrating like what we're celebrating here, the community and what it's like to be a fantasy manager, whether in the U.S. or, you know, we, we like to look outside of the U.S. on the Always Cheating podcast. We see... You know, that might be why I know where Nathan Ake is from and you don't know, Brian. Uh, <laughs> you know, just because I just like, I just have this incredible worldview. Um, so, yeah, I really, really, really enjoyed being on Press Play. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, and I hope to do it again soon. It was our pleasure to host you. This has been a great episode. Tune in, give us all a follow on social media. And why don't you give us a five star rating for all the hard work Dan and Brian are putting in? And also give our partners at the Always Cheating Podcast. If you don't follow them already, you're missing out, but also give them a five-star ranking. We can all grow and glow each other up together. That's the beauty of the FPL community. And with that, I think it's time to wish everyone a great double game week 25. Let's grab some green arrows, except if you're Dan, and have an awesome week. Toodles. Toodles.